We need a live studio audience. We could have a dead studio audience. It's I like true. that. I like that. Mm. Do we want to go full felony and just murder people, or do we want to go uh, misdemeanor and grave rob? Let's go grave rob. I feel like that would be less mess to clean up. I was just going to go, like, get, like, gonna <laughs> gra- I wasn't going <laughs> to break any laws to get us our deadness. Now, for our feature presentation. What's your favorite movie? It's a common question, but it's not one that's easily answered. You can have your favorite animated movie, your favorite comedy, maybe even your favorite action movie. You might even have a favorite depending on what mood you're in. Well, over the next series of videos, we will be taking a look at some of our favorite movies. And today we're going to start with what I consider to be my favorite, The Departed. The Departed. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are taking a look at the 2006 motion picture, The Departed, starring just about everyone. Mm -hmm. Lots of people. Namely, obviously, Matt Damon um, and Leonardo DiCaprio in the main roles. Mm-hmm. But also featuring um, Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson, Martin Sheen. Is that his name? Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. <laughs> uh, Alec Baldwin and uh, Vera Farmiga. What's it? Do you have it written down? Fucking no idea. I think that's close. Vera Farmiga or Vera Farmiga Farmiga. Vera, name I cannot pronounce because I'm dumb. (laughs) Um, As the love interest for the characters. Two two main characters. The two main characters, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Obviously, The Departed was directed by Martin Scorsese. Um,. He's kind of done a lot of big films. Yep. Um, Probably most famous for uh, like Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Um, this is obviously the film that got Scorsese his Oscar. Um, his only Oscar. Really? Uh, yeah, for Best Picture, yeah, it's his only Oscar. Um, he's got a lot of accolades as a director, but yeah. this is his one Oscar. So I think that lends credence to the fact that my favorite movie is good, <laughs> according good. to the Oscars. Yes. Uh, Scorsese is considered one of the one of the greatest directors of all time, mm. and for good reason. He makes good movies. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leonardo DiCaprio plays William Costigan, who is the main protagonist. Um, William Costigan has always lived. A double life to some extent so this is more of a an extension on his double life living as a undercover cop in the uh, organized crime business of Jack Nicholson's character Matt Damon plays Colin Sullivan who's the probably the main antagonist you probably say him or Jack Nicholson but I, I think say. I would think I would think Colin yeah, I'd say they're um, kind of extensions of each other. Like, they're both the main antagonist, but... Yeah. 
You know, there's not one without the other, pretty much. Definitely. That's definitely true. That's a good way to put it. Um, Colin grew up, um, obviously, south side, underprivileged kid. um, And that's how he fell in with Costello. Um, Just as a dumb kid, like, this guy's looking out for me, so I'm going to repay the favor when I get older. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jack Nicholson plays Frank Costello, the uh, leader of an Irish organized crime syndicate. Um, Costello is loosely based off of both Whitey Bulger as well as the real-life Frank Costello. Um, Whitey Bulger was a an Irish crime boss. Frank Costello was an Italian crime boss. Um, I did think that Costello was an, a weird Irish name. For an Irish mobster. Yeah. Yeah, that is... That is because it is an Italian name. So, yeah. Makes sense. Great Italian name, weird Irish name. (laughs) Um, Like Bulger, uh, Frank Costello finds himself in the... uh, Status as a protected witness by the FBI. I thought he was an informant. Protected informant, thank you. Frank Costello finds himself as a protected informant for the FBI, so he kind of gets away with murder, and I do mean that literally. Um, uh, Martin Sheen plays the main protagonist's father-type figure. He's uh, the head of the undercover division of the Boston State Police. A mentor. Mm-hmm. A cop Thank mentor you. of sorts. Yeah. Yes. So he is, to Matt Damon, or to Leonardo DiCaprio, what... Uh, Nicholson's character is to Matt Damon. Yeah, he is the mentor, not as far run as far back, obviously, where Matt Damon and um, Jack Nicholson's characters have that really long history. Queenan is more of a recent figure in uh, Costigan's life, but he is the one that convinces him to go undercover, go undercover, and really make a difference because yeah. he. Be- Supposedly, Costigan becomes a cop to make a difference. He's not going to make a difference as a state police officer. Whereas Queenan thinks that with his background, he could really make a difference going undercover and helping them take down um, Jack Nicholson's character. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mark Wahlberg plays Dingham, Queenan's second in command. And then you have Alec Baldwin as the head of the special investigations unit that Matt Damon is in. Uh, Vera plays Madeline, the police psychologist, psychiatrist, shrink. The police... Counselor. Counselor. um, Who is introduced to Matt Damon through working in the same building and introduced to DiCaprio as obviously his actual counselor. Mm. One thing that I did find uh, kind of interesting while doing some research on the movie... Um, Leonardo DiCaprio in an interview said that he felt like his character and uh, Matt Damon's character were almost two sides of the same coin. And I found myself thinking similar things um, throughout the whole movie. There's definitely like a a duplicity. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. A duplicity of... I can't... I don't feel like I'm using that right. it feels like they go through very similar experiences. Yeah. It, it feels like, even though they're on 
different sides and doing different... It, it feels very familiar for both of them. Yeah. I was thinking something similar when watching the movie about how circumstances and the choices you make can lead you to different situations. These are two kids that had like similar upbringings and just the choices they made brought them to different places and had to put them up head to head. Put them up head to head. Yeah. So. Yeah. Obviously, um, Costigan had the the dual upbringing with the separated parents, the middle class for half the time. Yeah, middle class uh, privilege upbringing half the time. Um, but he definitely knew how to uh, at least pretend like he belonged in both worlds. Um, so the the departed the the film is about Boston State Police making an attempt to bring down the, a big crime lord, Jack Nicholson's character, um, Frank Costello. The problem is, obviously, I'm okay with that one. The problem is that it's hard to bring someone down when there's people working against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Matt Damon is protecting Frank Costello from the inside the whole time. And he's doing such a good job of it that he ends up, like, heading up the investigation to find himself, mm-hmm. find the the mole in the department. So, makes it kind of difficult to uh, stop someone when you're just promoting the your own enemy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And gives him the power to look into everybody else in the force as well, to just further his ability to help Costello. Yeah. And Costigan is the state police's mole into Costello's um, ring. Ring, yeah. And again, um, another similarity between those two is that Costigan moves up very quickly with Costello. You see throughout the movie that there are trust issues, uh, different things where Costello confronts Billy multiple times, but yeah. I mean. At the end, when Costello dies, who does he trust with all of his information? So it's not Colin, it's not his wife, it's it's Costigan. It's it's Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Um, so it is just another one of those similarities where someone is trusting the wrong person far too much. Well, maybe he trusted him with all the information, because he was an FBI informant. Maybe he knew Billy was the police detective and was like, well... We're both working for the law, so here's all my shit. Also, I mean, there's probably a lot of paranoia because we find out during the movie that there was multiple moles on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I would assume there there was definitely a a lot of paranoia. I mean, just doing a lot of drugs, at least on Nicholson's side. I don't know about Queenan and um, the, the rest of the state police, but... Frank Costello was doing a lot of drugs. Yeah. Kind of kind of sketchy out as well. Plus, no, like he knows that there is definitely people in his ranks that are out to get him. Yeah. So that's obviously un- unsettling as well. Like, the writers of the movie uh, did a very good job of keeping the audience in the dark about who was, like, hidden moles. Like, we knew obvious moles yeah. were... Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And then we find out Costello's an FBI informant. Yeah, and there's other and moles then, throughout the whole movie. Yeah, 
And then, like, the very end scene, uh, you don't know if Mark Wahlberg's character was a mole or if he was just out for revenge. Yeah, like, what what was It's very ambiguous. Yeah. He just knows that... shows up, pops him one, and then calls it a day. Knows that Matt Damon's an asshole of a person and a human being, so just decides to clean it up a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, And that's part of what I would feel like the frustration of the movie is keep being everybody in the dark. Not knowing who is who, because there's so much going on in the movie. Yeah. But people are always people. People will work for both sides. That's how life is, too. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why I kind of like this movie um, more, is because it kind of leaves it up to interpretation for the viewer. I mean, there's no solid evidence one way or the other for mm-hmm. a lot of the characters. Um, so it just leaves it up to your own personal view. Yeah. What do you think was in the envelope what do you think madeline wanted to tell cost again um what yeah i think that's a great a great observation because there are a lot of things where it's like okay what was that gonna be or what was this gonna be yeah we were spit firing a lot of possibilities after the movie ended where yeah. we were like mm-hmm. i think this is how it had to have gone in order for mark Wahlberg to be in uh matt damon's apartment and stuff like that yeah, yeah. um I think what Madeline wanted to co- tell Costigan. I think what Madeline wanted to tell Costigan is that she was pregnant. Yeah, I think that's that would, uh, that was, would might be my assumption as well. Yeah, I think that's what makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Uh, however, um, <clears throat> she could have been telling him uh, had her and Colin had the um, conversation about. Him being reassigned somewhere or whatever yet? Because didn't they have the... I believe so. Okay, so... I, yeah, I he, feel like they did, yeah. She could have been telling that, like, oh, I gotta leave, or, yeah. oh, I'm pregnant, and it's probably yours. Yeah. Because only yeah. one of their dicks worked. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crass way to put it, but... Only one could perform adequately. Yeah. <laughs> that was a crass way to put it. I'm sorry, you guys. That's okay. You deserve better than that. When you're All under you. a lot of stress, that's something that can happen. Oh, absolutely. And you could tell that both characters were under a lot of duress for a lot of the movie. Yeah. Um, with DiCaprio's character, like you said, he's used to living a double life and having to put on like two faces of sorts. But this was a very high-pressure situation. You could see him cracking a lot of the time and being able to lean on Queenan and being like, okay, I need to get out of this. Yeah, I think with with Costigan, his concern was always more just just dying. It wasn't the inability to lead the double life or the stress the stresses of leading the double life. Whereas with Sullivan, he wasn't having those those same kind of reactions where he was internalizing everything. He was having the impotency issues. He didn't have anybody he could really yeah. lean on, and either. he was just lashing out at um, Madeline. That's her name. Um, so I think even though it does seem like both characters struggled with it um, it does seem like to me at least that Costigan does handle it better throughout the film because it's been his whole life anyways being two people yeah Um, and I mean I guess you could really make the same argument for Matt Damon but to me at least it seems that that was more of a later in life thing where he was two people because he was always working for Frank, but he was never 
he never had to like deceive people about it. He wasn't going to school and pretending like he was a straight A student while working for he was just doing well in school mm-hmm. and then after school working for Frank. Yeah. Whereas Matt Damon, not Matt Damon, whereas Leonardo DiCaprio would, you know, live in the burbs all all week and then go go down south for the weekend with his dad. Yeah. And he'd have to behave differently up there and then when he went back he'd have to be, behave differently right. back home and have to make up stories for why he was never around during the weekend and, and things like that mm-hmm. so i think it was something that he was more comfortable uh swimming in the waters of deception yeah. um so this movie was actually adapted from a hong kong film called infernal affairs um i kind of want to see that yeah to compare similarities and everything but yeah. Uh, apparently it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, I think that would definitely be something that we, that we should do, uh, to compare. Um, obviously there's going to be differences, but it did, it did seem like it was well adapted other than the fact that the departed had like an additional 40 minutes on the runtime. Yeah. I'd like to see the difference between like how Hong Kong is run and how they have it so deeply in Boston and how Boston works because... Uh, Costello gets in close with both of these boys because of their family members and ties in with the community in the south side of Boston. Yeah. Where Matt Damon's character was his grandma that was uh, had a good relationship with Costello, and then uh, DiCaprio's character was his dad and his dad's whole family, where they were all like deep into this community. And I don't know if they'd have the same thing in the Asian adaptation. Yeah. I think not adaptation. The the original from yeah, Hong Kong. The original Hong Kong film. Yes, sorry. I didn't mean to knock over there. I didn't realize that you misspoke though. I was just like, Yeah, you so smart. <laughs> what are you smart? Yeah, um <clears throat> better accent than lots of faces. Right? <laughs> uh, along with what you're saying, how the movies would compare with how Costello m- kind of had the deep neighborhood route, roots routes. Deep neighborhood routes. <laughs> that Costello would have the deep neighborhood roots. That's how he was able to kind of draw in those kids and and kind of indoctrinate them at a young age to work for him. Mm-hmm. Really sounded like I was setting up a pedophile thing there. <laughs> Almost, but <Yeah>. not quite. <laughs> Another thing that I would be curious about is... I, obviously, I'm not from Hong Kong, but it does seem like there's a lot with institutionalized corruption there as well because that was the one of the more interesting things to me is the portrayal of how difficult it really is to catch people like a frank costello Mm -hmm. because frank costello is going to pay off anyone needs to pay off to be safe which i mean he did by becoming an fbi informant Mm -hmm. so from what i've heard there's a lot of institutionalized corruption there anyway so is that something that they struggle with in the original movie worse or is it just kind of similar something else that would be like the one thing not the one thing but the main thing i would want to look at when if we were to compare the two films yeah um because there were just a few spots i don't know if it was like a directional choice but there were some moments in the film that felt weird you brought up last time the very end scene where you have the really artsy shot with the rat and like the picture of what is it, Capitol building yeah or that seemed a little out of place for this movie and mm. then there was 
shots where they have like a uh, a highlight on somebody that expands out to a full screen when he was the only person in the shot to begin with. So it's like an unnecessary emphasis and it just seemed weird. And there's some weird panning as he was walking upstairs that made a whole situation seem more intense than it was and it just kind of led up to nothing. But those are just some weird things that I noticed. But overall, I think the direction was really good. Yeah, for sure. So The Departed is kind of like a crime drama movie. Yeah. But one thing that I've always liked about it, one of the reasons why it is one of my favorite movies is because it does other things, you know. It's not a comedy, but it's funny. It's not an action movie, but there are thrilling sequences. Mm-hmm. And for me, the the banter, just like the way Boston <laughs> cops talk to each other, or may, maybe it's people of Boston in general. I don't know, but I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg's character walks in. How you doing? Tired from fucking your wife. How's your mother? Tired from fucking my father. Like, it it was just hilarious to me. Maybe I have a dumb sense of humor, but the the rhetoric between the, the people, the, the, the back and forth banter was just, it was funny without being over the top and detracting from the movie. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was natural that it belonged. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's very Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> this is a film that I feel like does a lot. Does a lot. Does everything well. It's mm-hmm. it's well acted, well written, well directed. Mm. Maybe maybe it's not well directed. I have no idea. I don't. It's very well. Directed. I feel like it's well directed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it it doesn't just stick to one thing where it's like just. A constant drum drama. It's, I mean, that would have worked. It's not a constant dramatic film where you're just like dredging through all of these like super intense things. But it does stick to the fact that it is a more dramatic film while knowing when to lighten things up and knowing when to do do different things. And they didn't lean very heavy on the romance part of it. No, there's a. It's a big part of the storyline. But it's not like they focus a lot on, like, his feelings towards this counselor. On either of them. Yeah. So. I liked having it there and not having it be overboard. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, um, a love interest is a pretty common thing in film. And a lot of the times it can be overdone and it can kind of detract. And it just, it didn't. It was, it was a nice pinch of romantic interest the drama of her life going from a love triangle to a love single (laughs) pretty much yeah (laughs) father's day sucks for that kid either way yeah missed out his whoever his dad is they are de-padded yeah the padded they're (laughs) de-padded so did you guys have any particular scenes in the film that really kind of stood out to you is just really memorable for whatever reason. Yeah, there were scenes that were, like, unnerving to me because, like, there were some things that happened that 
I wasn't particularly comfortable with, but because of that, they did stand out, and there was a lot of, like, uh, resonance throughout the whole movie when the uh, scenes happened. The first one was uh, when uh, Queenan fell from the building, and then DiCaprio's just, like, in shock for a moment, but isn't allowed to be in that moment. He had to just, like, keep going past past it, and it, like... It was a very uncomfortable scene. Yeah. And the second one being when DiCaprio it gets shot in the head suddenly in the elevator. Just no warning all at once because he doesn't know you have to hide behind the person you had at gunpoint. How about for yourself? Uh, I think probably the scene that uh, stood out to me the most probably because it was, um, I don't know, to me, like one of the most developmental scene was when um Costigan meets Costello for the first time um and he goes and uh goes into the back room and he like busts up his fucking hand yeah a little more it really sets like where Costello is Mm -hmm. in the hierarchy in the crime gang which is at the top yeah um and it really is kind of like uh, a big wake-up call to Costigan, like, hey, this guy is fucking insane. Yeah. yeah. Not to be fucked yeah, it with. It was... Yeah. It was definitely, like, a, a good setup. Like, this dude basically fucking owns you. Yeah. So you do what he says, or you're gonna regret... You know, regret whatever decision you make. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, he had in his mind when he finally was like, I cannot wear a wire. I do not want to chance this. Yeah. It wasn't until like, a later scene, but it was something that like stuck with him. Yeah. And he's brandishing a dude's a dude that he just killed. He's brandishing his hand, and Costigan was just yep. unwilling to to continue if he was going to wear a wire. Mm-hmm. So some of the, the some of the scenes that stood out to me, uh, like you brought up with Queenan, mm-hmm. um, for me it was both DiCaprio and. DiCaprio watching Queen and Die as well as Costigan watching Queen and Die as well as Sullivan killing Costello. Because um, it's both of them witnessing someone that they consider a mentor die. Obviously for Sullivan, it's at his hands. Yeah. Sullivan lives in this world at, uh, after killing Costello where it's just, I can't believe that someone that I trusted so much could betray me. Um I've risked everything for this person, and they've completely let me down. Mm-hmm. Costigan, it's almost more of a survivor's guilt where it's, you know, he let Queenan down. Queenan died in his eyes because of him, and he doesn't get to do anything. He doesn't get to feel any emotion. He just has to jump right in the car and go mm-hmm. because the... The operation. Yeah. He had to continue, otherwise Queenan's death was for nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those were both really poignant to me just because it's another thing where it shows the similarity in the two characters mm-hmm. the, the similarity of the story at least and it's just something that would would be hard for both both parties to try and live with what happened there and then kind of along with what you said with the first time Costigan and Costello meet there's the part towards the end where Costello's really trying to figure out who his rat is, and they're eating dinner at that restaurant. 
and Costigan's just sitting there, and he's, you know, he's doing a good job explaining himself away, and and he's kind of holding his own in that scene, but just the the paranoia and the pure, like, unshackled crazy that Costello was, it, it's unnerving. Mm-hmm. You know? He's coming up behind him and making, like, rat faces and, like, sniffing him, and, I mean... And then telling him to eat. Yeah. Like, very brutally, too, just, like, focused on telling him to eat. Yeah. It, it was an unnerving scene, but those those are the ones that really stood out to me um, that definitely, to me, had some significance to the story or what have it. Well, there was a lot of uh, intense scenes. Yeah, it's a very intense movie. So I, I don't think you could go wrong picking scenes in the movie. <laughs> just before the last scene where uh, Mark Wahlberg is the only one that's not departed. <laughs> yeah. Just ending the whole movie with a big bloody bow tie. He fucking deserved that guy shot him in the face. Ugh, sorry for the yawn. <laughs> not that he has evil intentions, just got in the wrong crowd and did bad things for a bad person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Budget? Yeah, uh, the budget for this movie was $90 million, um, half of that going to actors' salaries. Yeah. Which, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, um, not surprising. You got a lot of Big names. A-list actors yeah. in this movie. There's a, there's a lot of people in this Draw. movie. Yeah. Um, it did gross uh, over $132 million, uh, which is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I know that uh, Martin Scorsese said that he always envisioned this as a low-budget film, but obviously as you attach more stars, the... Bill goes up. The budget goes up just because you're paying those people. But, I mean, outside of that, it to him was always more of a let's make this movie a low-budget movie. Yeah. Well, $45 million went to actors, which means it was only a $45 million movie. Yeah. So, they did pretty good for like that amount of money yeah yeah not a whole lot of special effects needed but like locations and stuff like that they did pretty good this movie was the 15th highest grossing film uh domestically in 2006 one above borat um and it was beat out by over the hedge Superman Returns, X Men Last, and X Men Last Stand. So, some real gems in there. <laughs> Gross tired than The Departed. So, definitely, definitely should be proud of that. Uh, and it was also the number one rated R movie of the year of the year of two thousand six, as far as total gross. So, for R movies, which obviously are gonna gross less than movies that are family friendly movies, on on average. Mm-hmm. Because they appeal to a smaller box office market, mm-hmm. it it definitely was the king of the crop for that one. Cream of the crop for that one is actually how you'd say that. You <laughs> fucking moron, Daxton. <laughs> Boop. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to roll into summaries and fun facts if you guys are. Okay. Yeah. So 
So what did uh, what did you guys think about the movie? Would you recommend it to a friend? And how would you rank it? Yeah, this was my first time watching this movie, and I was not disappointed. I didn't know really anything about it. Um, Daxon was just like, this is my favorite movie. We're going to watch it. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. And then I was very pleasantly surprised by the acting, by the storyline. Um, I would give it an 8 out of 10 because I don't really see anything wrong with it. I would definitely recommend it to a friend. Um, yeah, solid. Holds up. Yeah, um, I'd have to agree. Uh, very solid movie. Very well acted, very well directed, very well written. Um, this is my second time seeing it. So, I mean, I got semi-fresh eyes on it. Uh, but um, I'm a big fan of the mobster crime dramas. You know, they're really, usually really well done. Um, and this movie's no exception. So, I mean, I'd also give it an 8 out of 10. It was a very good movie. Yeah, kind of like what you said, this vein, this genre of films is probably my favorite genre as a whole. So, obviously, movies in this genre are going to appeal to me. Uh, I feel like, I mean, I've already touched on it. I feel like this is a movie that it, it does everything well. It's well-acted, well-directed, well-presented. The whole kit and caboodle. But yeah, for this, saying it's my favorite film, it's one I've seen a handful of times. It's not my most watched film, but it's one that I've still been able to watch five, six times, and I would walk right out there and watch it again right now. So it's... It's definitely one of those things to me that really holds up really well. Obviously, I would recommend it to a friend. I think it's, I think it's good. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to be in a specific mindset to watch the movie or anything like that. I do think that it's gonna be good no matter what if you like good movies. Uh, yeah, I know. Sticking with it, um, and I I want to give it a ten out of ten because it's my favorite movie. <laughs> but that's probably a little bit of bias. I'd give it an 8.5 out of 10. Sounds fair. Mm-hmm. Facts! <laughs> fun facts. We got some facts, and they're fun. Fun facts! They're facts, and they're fun. Yeah! <laughs> Scorsese uh, uses X's throughout the film to subtly mark which characters are destined for death. So, I didn't know that. So I do look forward to my next viewing, trying to be a little bit more vigilant and trying to find all of the X's um, as the as the movie goes on. Uh, touched on that. Some numbers. There are twenty-one deaths in the movie. More importantly, there are two hundred and thirty-eight uses of the F word and its derivations good number. I wish it was broken up by who said them, because I want to know the percentage that was just Mark Wahlberg. I want to know the percentage that was just Leonardo DiCaprio. He said fuck a lot. He did. Um, it's the first remake of a foreign film, or first adaptation of a foreign film to win a Best Picture Oscar, as well as being the, the first Oscar winning Best Picture to not be released on VHS. 
So it kind of comes at the, really the the end of the VHS. The VHS era. Very progressive technology. It's like nah, those things are done with. We're yeah. good. Scorsese has gone on to say that while he knows that the film is really well done and it was a, and that it is a good movie, he hated making it. The end with just rewatching all of the deception and the violence and those things, just rewatching and rewatching for the edits and the post all the post production just really drove him mad. So like when it came time to do like the press tour for the film and those kinds of things as it was coming out, he did very little um any promo- very little of any promotion for the film. Just because he was that done with it? Yeah, he was just done. Al Pacino was considered for the role of Frank Costello. That's a role that I think Pacino could have played well. Um, it was something that Scorsese wanted to do because he'd never worked with Pacino before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just something that ended up falling out with scheduling conflicts, so Jack Nicholson took on the role. Um, and I think he performed well. Uh, mm-hmm. He he improvised a lot of the scenes in the movie and really put him himself into the role, and it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Nicholson said that he took the role because he wanted to play a really good bad guy again. Um, originally, the roles of Billy Costigan and Colin Sullivan were going to go to Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, respectively. So Cruise is Costigan. Pitt is Sullivan. Uh, I personally think that would have been terrible. Yeah. Yeah, those um, two are more like straight up action actors yeah. instead of, you know, like a more serious movie like yeah. this is. Mm-hmm. With Cruz, I'm not a huge fan. Same. I mean, I can take it or leave it. I don't dislike him, but I'm not going to seek out his movies. Yeah. Um, I've already kind of touched on my disdain for Brad Pitt as an actor. When we did Seven, obviously I was very happy with his role in Seven, but I don't think that there was anything he did to make that role his. I think there was 15 other people that could have done what he did. Yeah. Um, so I think that getting DiCaprio and Damon definitely made the movie better, especially because you, you can't make a Boston movie without Matt Damon. I mean... You could also make the same statement for Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. Um, De Niro was considered for the role of Queenan. Um, the way they the way they portrayed Queenan in the film, um, I don't think it would have worked for Robert De Niro personally. Yeah. But I think that if they had cast. De Niro, that it would have been written as a different character. Yeah, just morph it more like they did for uh, Costello. Yeah, Nicholson. Yeah. Nicholson is Costello. I do think that there could have been some great depth in the story if it had been De Niro, who, someone that could definitely pass off as more of a rough upbringing type of person, mm-hmm. whereas Martin Sheen is Queen and he comes off as like your grandpa. <laughs> Another right. parallel to yeah. Uh, Nicholson. Yeah. Where Queen just wasn't. Yeah. You could obviously comparable. tell that there was some some deep seated rivalry there, but it, I mean, there, I think that you could have done more with a character like De Niro. Those scenes where they like uh, 
Queenan and what was the other name? Dingham. Dingham. Where they like confront Costello and like, what'd you do with the chips and stuff like that? If it was uh, De Niro, I think those scenes would have been maybe a little bit more dynamic. Just have these like two power plays yeah. kind of going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that said, I loved Martin Sheen as Queenan. I thought it was awesome. I just think that there could have been some other elements added if it was someone like a De Niro. Yeah. Um, but again, no disrespect to Martin Sheen at all. He he killed it. Um, the role of Dingham had a lot of other suitors. Um, Ray Liotta, Dennis Leary, and Ethan Hawke. Ray Liotta's a good actor, but I don't think he has the same charisma that Mark Wahlberg brings to the role. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that role would have been good for him. Um, Dennis Leary, kind of almost like a poor man's Mark Wahlberg. Not <laughs> total Mark Wahlberg, but like how Mark Wahlberg was in this picture. I think Dennis Leary would have been a little bit meaner and less handsome. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you wanted to save some of that $90 million budget, go ahead. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and Ethan Hawke, I don't think he would fit, really. I, I have nothing to say. I mean... Just to try something new? Is he, that why they were considering him? I think he... I have no idea. I think he's a talented actor, but he just... He's so vanilla to me. <laughs> like... Yeah. I mean, like, if you're going to cast Ethan Hawke, you might as well just un, like write the role of Dingham out. That might be a bit harsh, but I just I don't feel like he would have brought anything to it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like he wouldn't have been a right fit at all. No. And then for the role of Madeline, um, the the film production team originally wanted someone more substantial, more of a, a known name to play the the love interest. Um, they talked to Kate Winslet. They talked to Emily Blunt, Jennifer Aniston. So there was a number of names kicked around. But they ended up going with Vera, and I think she performed serviceably. If, I mean, she definitely had a problem with her accent, but yeah, I think it's otherwise <laughs> not bad. It's similar to Tombstone, the one we did just before this, in that there's not a, any like A-list female actors in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's a very like male-based in its talent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> We're done here. I think we've covered everything we have to cover. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, if you enjoy the video, please like the video. Please subscribe to the channel. Uh, leave us a comment. We uh, we just did Tombstone. We did that as the uh, as a fan request movie. We would love to know what movies you got. What's your favorite movie? And we'll do that on the podcast. Let us know. Um, you can find us on all of the social medias, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Twitter. Those are the other ones, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have a Patreon link in the description below if you'd like to donate to us and keep this going so we can grow and do more. Yeah, we want to we wanna be able to make more content for you guys. We want to be able to make better content for you guys. Um, all of those are Jekyll Studios, J-E-C-L-L Studios, one word. Um... Next week on our favorite movie extravaganza, we are going to do The Lion King. 
obviously it's the 1994 Lion King because the whatever the new one is isn't out yet. So 2019. Yeah, we're 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 gonna do the the old one, <laughs> the one that everyone in this room grew up with. Yep. So that'll be coming up for us next. Um, probably gonna be recording here in 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So they'll probably <laughs> come out on the same day. Um, but still, it's the next video, so just go ahead and watch that one too. Um, good? Yeah. Alright, thanks for, uh, watching, thanks for listening, and as always, are you a co-op? <laughs>